Welcome to Inspired by Failure, Lessons Learned from the Journey of Epic Ideas. I'm your host, Michi Yamamoto. This is where we talk to inventors and learn from their successes and failures to inspire us and help us change the world. In this episode, I interview Julie Bless Mullen. Julie developed a device that purifies water. Her device purifies water by using electricity. The key here is the chemicals the device generates to destroy contaminants. I'm curious how electricity can remove contaminants from water. We have a Facebook group where we can continue our conversation about her or her ideas. Please check out michiyamamoto.com. Thank you for joining the show today, Julie. Can you talk a little bit about your background? How did you come to develop your invention? How did you end up starting up your own company? Yes, when I was a kid, I was really, I was always fascinated with the outdoors. And um, so I was catching bugs and collecting rocks. And, and uh, my parents actually allowed me to have an ant farm. And I had butterflies and all these things. So I was always really connected with the outdoors and the environment. I also really liked science. When I was in high school, I decided I actually wanted to be a doctor, um, mostly in public health. I was all about being a doctor, and then I took an environmental science course. It was with this teacher who had explored islands that were remote islands. He would go, you know, swimming with the sharks and discover, you know, he would discover plant species, and and uh, I thought that was so exciting. And so I decided actually that I wanted to change and go back to my original idea of the environment. So I decided to. Uh, go for environmental science, and what I ended up actually going for was environmental policy. I enrolled at Worcester Polytechnic Institute. I decided to go for a degree in environmental and sustainability studies. I was really interested in water, but it really wasn't until my junior year, actually it was the end of, it wasn't until the end of my sophomore year that I had the really great opportunity to travel to a rural community in Guatemala. I realized by talking with them and you know interviewing the the community and seeing what their what their issues were that they had serious water quality issues we We were there to try and help this community um, and make them healthier in general. I learned that this part of my brain that's science and policy actually could really benefit from an engineering background. so I went back and of course now wPI uh, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. Is, a, is an engineering school. But I didn't come in as an engineer because I didn't know too much about what engineering was. But I decided I'm going to start taking some engineering courses and I'm going to see if I can utilize my policy and science background with the engineering side. I ended up double majoring in environmental and sustainability studies and environmental engineering with a really hard focus on water. And it was really that trip to Guatemala where I could see people, you know, I saw them very sick because they were drinking this contaminated water and I wanted to make sure that, that I could clean that water for them or I could help help to clean that water for them. One of my internships was with the US EPA in their drinking water unit and that also helped to solidify my decision of moving to engineering. In my senior year, um, I was awarded a National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship 
which allowed me to basically choose a research topic of my choice so that I could continue graduate school. Naturally, I really wanted to look at um, emerging contaminants. Actually, they're, they're contaminants in water that are toxic and non-regulated in drinking water and to see how I could effectively remove those. So I stayed at WPI and I uh, continued graduate work there. I looked at a lot of conventional treatment technologies, things like chlorine, activated carbon, uh, resins, UV, UV light, ozone, and many others. And I was trying to figure out the best way to treat these emerging contaminants in water. They're, they're really toxic pollutants. Um, most effectively, and also with, with the least amount of environmental impact. And so I did that for a couple years while I was working at the EPA in Boston in their drinking water unit. And then I decided to continue my studies in a PhD program at UMass Amherst. In 2014, I started the program um, at UMass Amherst in the Civil and Environmental Engineering Group. And my job there was to look at new types of water treatment technologies. These were not conventional that are used in, let's say, municipal settings. These were more uh, new, exciting, maybe more energy efficient, um, more effective, and less costly technologies than others that are, that are used every day. One of the technologies that I looked at was called electrochemical. And by that, I mean it's truly electro, uses electricity to purify water and chemical, in which case it generates really fast reacting chemicals that destroy contaminants. And this was so cool to me that the, you know, the results were really compelling. We decided to file a patent with the university after, after hooking up electricity and playing around with it and figuring out you know, how effective the technology is. Uh, it was, that, was, that part was very compelling to me. And it actually completed a lot of the things that I had been really passionate about in my life, where I could address the engineering side and the public health side um, and the science side. <laughs> but also there was a business side, which was really exciting to me. This is a really cool technology. I want to make sure it's not just going to rot away in the lab um, and never be picked up again. I wanted to make sure we could commercialize this and actually get it out to people who really need it. That was the start of a clarity. I really decided that this was something I wanted to do. I hired a co-founder. And um, we incorporated our company, Aclarity, in May of 2017. Wow, that's amazing story. Thank you for sharing. By the way, how did you come up with the name, Aclarity? Yeah, um, coming up with the name was very difficult. What I wanted was a name that people could identify with that sounded nice. <laughs> um, you know, if you had an Aclarity system or some kind of system in your house, you wanted it to, to be nice and encompassing. And I like the word clarity, but that was very, it was taken <laughs> in, a, in a lot of scenarios. And so when we put an A in front of it, it, it changed it enough where it could be um, trademarked. It still kept with the, the nice kind of name that I, was, that I was really looking for. Yes, it's the nice name. So your technology is to purify water. Is your technology capable of turning seawater into drinkable water? It is. So desalination is a different type of technology, but we do have the ability to desalinate. Instead of oxidizing the constituents in water, what we're doing really is separating them. So you have uh, positive ions on one side, 
negative ions on the other side, and then you have clean water coming through. That's awesome. How about human waste? Is your technology capable of turning human waste into drinkable water? Yeah. So what we have the ability to design systems for water reuse. It could be for gray water reuse or black water reuse. This would likely be in tandem with other types of treatment technologies, such as reverse osmosis. But we can effectively destroy the pathogens, really the um, the bugs that are in the water that will make you sick. And we can also get rid of a lot of the, let's say, nitro- nitrogen and, phosph- and phosphorus in the water um, from fecal matter that, that will also make you sick. So yes, yeah, so we have the ability for sure. Amazing. I know you have gone through a lot of experiments since you started Aglarity. What's the biggest challenge in performing an experiment? The biggest challenge in performing experiments is really fundamental to electrochemistry. Uh, electrochemistry is really complex and that there are so few people that understand actually what's happening to uh, actually what's happening on the surface of the electrodes because we use um, we use an anode and a cathode. One is positive and one is negative. We flow water through and it's really the electrons that are inside that essentially zap uh, the contaminants. Um, the real process is through redox reactions. Those are reduction and oxidation reactions. What we have to do when actually running experiments is we, we, we put power through the, uh, through the device. We have to regulate the power to destroy certain contaminants. And there are thousands and thousands of contaminants in, in water. What we typically try to do is group the contaminants to say, okay, this group will be removed at this power supply, and this group will be removed at a different power, you know, our power rating. It's complex. They don't, they're not all removed at the same power rating. And so this, this goes back to an engineering issue, but really, truly, it's an electrochemical issue as to how to optimize the device to remove as many things with one system. That's the, that's the broad overview of the issue. But actually, when you're testing it, you want to make sure that if you are removing, let's say, or you're treating pathogens, things like bacteria and viruses, that you choose the lowest amount of power because we want to conserve energy, but also have enough power where it's truly destroying the, the contaminants as opposed to letting them go through. So you dealt with thousands of contaminants in water and grouped them. What's the most difficult group of contaminants to destroy? So the most difficult group of contaminants to remove, they're called PFAS. The PFAS stands for per and polyfluoral alkyl substances. And that's a tongue twister in itself. Um, but what's so difficult about these substances, and there are hundreds if not thousands of them, is a really strong bond of carbon and fluorine. And these substances actually come from Teflon products. They're coatings on your pans at home, on your couch, on your rug. Um, they're also found in firefighting foams. And they're really good at suppressing fires, <laughs> really. The chemicals themselves are they're bonded so, so strong, they are not treated in municipal um, water systems. We've been able to break those carbon and fluorine bonds, which is great, because now we're actually destroying the contaminants 
But what's so difficult about that is because they're so hard to break, you have to use a lot of power. And so we're trying to figure out, and we've figured out a lot of this so far, um, what is the least amount of electricity that we have to put through the device to break those carbon fluorine bonds while also trying to make the technology itself affordable for whoever is going to be purchasing this. In industry, it could be the government, it could be the polluter themselves. So we want to make sure that the device isn't so costly that they can use it, but also that it's truly breaking those carbon fluorine bonds. I see you're looking at the cost effectiveness of the device. What's the process of developing your water purification device? We've evaluated many different types of anodes and cathodes and configurations to really optimize the device for cost. That would really be capital cost. But then once we have a final design, and we do, now what we want to do is try to minimize the operating cost. And that's mostly through energy. But we also want to look at the longevity of the electrodes that we use, especially for larger systems. You want to make sure that the electrodes can last for you know, a long time um, without being replaced. That also reduces the operating expenditures. Besides the operating cost efficiency, what's the coolest thing in your technology? Okay. So typically what a municipality does is they will add chlorine to the end of a treatment system or a treatment plant. Um, and that chlorine really goes to the pipes and prevents pathogens from growing and also kills any pathogens that are in the pipes. So that when you drink water at home, you have clean water to drink and you're not getting sick from the, from the microbes. Our process is very similar to that in that instead of generating chlorine, and we do generate a little bit of chlorine, we generate much more effective chemicals that react really, really fast so you don't taste them. They're much better at destroying contaminants. When you try to measure the potential of the chemicals that we generate, they're really they're oxidants. They're typically measured under in volts, and so they might be a, a fraction of a volt, usually all the way up to two volts or so, and that's really their oxidation or, or redox potential. And what's really cool about our technology is that we've been able to go much higher than those two volts. We're up to about six or greater than six volts. It's much, much, it can, it's the, the oxidizing potential or the destruction potential is much, much higher than conventional oxidants that are used to destroy contaminants. What do you love most about Aquilarity? What I love most about the technology itself is that it's so scalable and it's, it can address so many problems and solve so many issues in the world. And it's not just a solution for U.S. people or it can treat polluted, you know, hazardous waste. It can treat water for people all around the world. And it's something that really could be scaled so that it could be everywhere uh, and helping people all around the world. And that's, that's something that is really core to why I wanted to really make sure that this was not just something that was a research project and was something that is actually going to be deployed and to help all these people. That's an impactful effort to save the world from the water crisis. In this episode, Julie shared with us her journey to get to electrochemistry and start her own company.
She believes in the scalability and versatileness of the water purification technology she developed. With this technology, she's addressing the water crisis and looking to help people around the world. We have a Facebook group where we can continue our conversation about her or her ideas. Please check out michiyamamoto.com. Thanks for listening to Inspired by Failure, lessons learned from the journey of epic ideas. Stay tuned for our next guest.